Today's guest comes from the world of golf. Zoe Allen is a PGA teaching pro based in Lurgan Golf Club in Northern Ireland. She is a TPI certified coach and a USPGA Masters Kids coach, coaching some of the top young golfers from around the world. She's going to be sharing some of her experiences as a coach, some of her knowledge and skill as a, as a professional, talking about her career and her work, but also talking about her own mindset and what she does physically and what she does for social time and for downtime. So we hope you enjoy uh, listening to Zoe talk today and we really enjoyed having her on the podcast. Hello and welcome to episode four of Healthy Happy Humans with me, Pendulum Physio, uh, aka Declan Judge. And today's guest is Miss Zoe Allen um, of Zoe Allen Golf. Now, Zoe is a golf pro and a USPGA registered golf coach um, in the Mid Ulster area. Um, she is really, really well known, not just in golf circles, but widely known as being a really, really happy, popular um individual really well liked so i am delighted to have her on the podcast today and uh, zoe for anybody who maybe doesn't know you or doesn't know golf in particular do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself so Declan, thanks very much for having me on here today i know we have chatted about doing this for a long time um but yeah thanks for having me on so yeah my name is zoe allen um, i teach full-time out of lurgan golf club where I've set up, if you like, my own kind of academy or golf school called Zoe Allen Golf. Um, so in terms of who I teach, I teach um, juniors and adults, um, from beginners right up to advanced players, uh, really anyone that wants to kind of learn the game of golf. But I guess where I've sort of, where I spend most of my time and where I do specialize is in the junior um, the junior sort of aspect of the game. So yeah, you'll find me whenever the golf courses are open <laughs> up at Lurgan Golf Club. That's where I would teach uh, teach full time. Yeah, so that's great. Straight on to the next chat, which is really important, which is about when our golf clubs going to be open again, because um, just last night was Boris's big speech about the changeover in England from phase one to phase two of the public health strategy for the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, obviously, those changes haven't taken effect yet uh, here in Northern Ireland. Um, it's a little bit different in the Republic of Ireland. Um, so when do you think we're going to see some uh, some golf courses open here locally then, Zoe? Well, it's funny. I actually thought today we would have been chatting about, OK, yeah, Lurgan's going to open in the next couple of days because when this um, when the South got their um, update last week, to be honest, the North were making preparations for it because I think the Golf Union of Ireland is one governing body, so it covers North and South. So obviously it's easy for them when they make a call in the south that the golf courses have to close. You know, it's easy for them to reciprocate in the north. Likewise, whenever the courses did shut, it all did it at the you know, it all happened at the same time. So tricky for them. Um, they've obviously put out the how golf's going to look in the south. So I've kind of been having a look at that in terms of how many players are allowed to play, who you're allowed to play with, what the tee time intervals are going to be. So there has been preparation in this past week prior to last night, you know, that there might be a sign of it opening. Um, it is going to be very strange for a while. Um, but I guess whenever then we heard our Northern Irish update um, from Arlene Foster was that Friday. I kind of thought she said we're going into lockdown for another three weeks. In my head, I thought, no, golf, 
right now isn't going to happen. And then kind of was backed. Well, it wasn't really backed up by last night because this morning I've spent time speaking to golf coaches um, England, in England and they're getting back up and running. So in terms of what I've seen um, this morning, England are allowed to crack on and get the courses open from Wednesday. But Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales are going to remain shut. Um, so, like I say, it's, you know, how long is a piece of string? We don't really know exactly when, but I want to say probably in the next couple of weeks. But preparations are well under underway with what golf is going to look like. Um, yeah, it'll be strange for a while. Yeah, so obviously there are going to be challenges with any sport that's trying to get back up and running again. But golf does seem like one of those sports that, that could meet some of those challenges maybe slightly easier than, than other sports. Uh, I, I mean, you know, you're dealing with obviously open air and wide open spaces. And if you can negotiate some of the problems around getting in and out of the clubhouse and making sure that there isn't uh, sharing of equipment and that kind of stuff, then like, like we would hope that golf is one of those things that we can get up and running relatively quickly for people. Uh, would you say so? Yeah, definitely agree. In terms of what the South are sort of doing there, you know, starting off with smaller numbers, you won't have four balls going out, you'll have twos and threes. They're encouraging people to play with their family. So um, already we're getting our four ball lined up here, mum, dad, myself and my sister. So um, yeah, playing with your family, playing in smaller groups. Um, the clubhouse obviously won't be able to open. So it'll just be, you bring your clubs, you arrive, you already have pre-booked your tea time on the online booking system. So, you know, it's one of those things, everyone has to play a ball. Everyone will know what time they're teeing off at you know it's only fair if everyone sticks to that allocated time zone so um yeah it'll definitely be strange for a while but as you say you're out in the open space as long as we're not you know touching flags touching wrecks in the bunkers you know it's different things like that we're not sitting on seats the way we haven't been allowed to in parks and stuff so it's trying to just get all of that in in place really I think a lot of the courses are going to have absolutely perfect greens and fairways because they are really well maintained right now aren't they yeah, yeah, definitely. Our Lurgan's looking fantastic. I'm sure you've seen the pictures that are going about. Plus, like they've had what we're into week eight. They've had six or seven weeks where there's been no pitch marks, no divots, you know, nothing happening. So I say the courses are going to be really in um, in good shape now. Whenever we do get to go back. Yeah, you're going to have everyday amateurs and average Joes walking out onto their local course like complete professionals because everything looks pristine, like the greatest course you've ever seen. Yeah, it's funny actually as well. Um, in this past week, I've had a few non-golfers reach out. So I think people, I think we will get that. People who've never played golf before, they're obviously listening to the news updates thinking, OK, this might be the only thing I can play. So I'm going to have to maybe... <laughs> look at getting into it but I do think for like anything for a while golf will really only be for for those members so in terms of teaching and stuff I'm not really too I'm trying to put preparations in place but I'm not really too sure exactly where that'll leave me I would teach a lot of um non-members and stuff so trying to just figure that out you know if it is only members that are allowed to come what do we then do with people that aren't maybe from the local area or that it just might be sort of a phased approach with with who um, and when, you know. Yeah, I suppose in, in every single facet of society, there's a lot of figuring out still to be done. Um, so the logistics of how we restart um, areas of work and areas of leisure, we, we haven't figured out all the answers to those things. So I know that there's, there's going to have to be a little bit of sort of short notice planning that goes into those things. 
Um, and I know also that you're going to be very, very keen to get back to your your own game and, and playing yourself, I'm sure, Zoe. Yeah. But you and I have actually talked in the past about how golf um, has this relationship with health and well-being and how people who play golf tend to score really, really highly on key indicators of mental and physical well-being and, and lifestyle. Um, and I think like never before, that relationship between exercise and activity and it, its impact on our, our mental and physical health and well-being in our, in our lifestyle, that's been in focus recently more than ever before, wouldn't you say? No, I definitely agree. And it's funny, um, you know, being a member of the PGA, there's been a lot of conference calls and different things in the past few weeks, you know, kind of the anticipation as to what it's going to look like. And there's been a lot of chat about that. You know, golf is going to be on the forefront because it seems to be the only sport that will be allowed, you know, or it'll be welcomed first back, if you like. So, yeah, so it is going to be very important. Um you know, and, and the encouragement is, you know, make sure you're, you're keeping the environment as safe as you can because spotlight's a good thing, but it's not a good thing whenever it's, you know, it maybe transpires and it's negative if the course opens and there's hundreds of people that aren't controlled. So it's all about trying to make sure we have it, you know, as you say, a fee is back, but in the right kind of way that, yes, it is going to be good for people's mental health. We'll get them out of the house. You know, we'll be nice to spend time with family doing something a bit different if you are a golfing family or, um, you know, just nearly doing something different to just your home workouts, your walk, your, you know, it'll be nice to kind of add in some something back, something else into this kind of daily routine. So Zoe, when golf is such a huge part of your life, both from a professional working point of view and also from a recreational and personal point of view, when golf is taken away and when it's missing, that, that's a really large section of your lifestyle. What I would call your your, your pie chart, a big slice of that pie is gone. Um, what, do they, what do you do to fill that void? What have you been doing with yourself in order to make sure that you're not getting too stressed or, or too wound up? What have you been up to? Yeah, do you know what? It's funny. Every week has kind of, there's been sort of something else kind of has, you know, come to my awareness, if you like. And in a weird way having this time Declan I suppose I'm a bit like yourself too the way you're so busy in life sometimes and you don't even really have time to take a step back and actually see the bigger picture and what's really happening and you know so in a way this time has nearly been good to take a step back from golf as much as I'm missing it I'll talk about that in a sec but to actually kind of try and reevaluate that you know working six seven days some weeks mostly six on a given week it's not really sustainable and you will kind of, you know, go, go, go until the point that you will kind of break down. So I think for me, it, this actually came at a good time trying to kind of figure out the structure of my coaching and, and what there is to offer, as well as in terms of my own playing. Um, there's been very little in this last few years, you know, trying to build up your business, trying to be successful, trying to offer as many different coaching programs, different times a day my golf really has become sort of you know even though that is why I got into this career it's kind of it doesn't happen as much as I'd like I often say that I always look forward to playing golf whenever I'm actually on holiday so whether that be when we're away at Christmas or um back in um October November last year went to Tenerife with my family and mainly to play golf with my dad so 
it's funny how golf for me has kind of changed because you do get sucked into the busy life and, you know, just spend time practicing myself, not as much as I would have because I'm not playing as much. So in a way, it's kind of this time, if you like, has given me a bit of, you know, a bit of an opportunity to sort of reassess the structure of, of how, how things should look. And really, you know, I should be allowing time to play a bit more. I should be um, possibly going back to my personal coach to have that bit of accountability again um maybe entering the odd event here and there but it's it is hard to find the time so in terms of what I have been doing I have actually been trying to use a lot of this time to do a bit of online study reach out to golf coaches that I've always been wanting to have a, a you know just a chat with in terms of how they run their program so if you like trying to evaluate the whole sort of structure and setup of Zoe Allen Golf to try and figure out what's the best you know the most sustainable the you know the best way for my business to look so I've actually quite quite enjoyed it I've been trying to keep up my um fitness and my training um but I want to say now that you know we've had great weather as well and now that there's talk about the golf courses opening my dad actually said to me last night you know this will be great because I'll actually get to play some golf with you so I am looking forward to that hopefully that'll then change whenever things do start to get back to normal that there will be a bit more time in my life for actually playing more golf um so yeah so you've just touched on a couple of really interesting points there zoe that i wanted to pick up on a little bit because i know from talking to you in the past that you're such an intelligent person you've got this huge brain and you've got all of this um this skill and this knowledge and this experience from a coaching perspective um and you're also a driven person and, you, and you, you've built a successful business uh, and then you go about your, your lifestyle with a with a happiness and um I've tried to put together a podcast that talks to people who do have a zest for life. Do you know that they're they're enthusiastic people, both personally and professionally, that they've got successful lifestyles and uh, and they have a certain joy in 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 their their work and and also sort of their personal life. Um, and talking to yourself and talking to other people during the podcasts, a, a common theme that keeps coming up again is. The people have not been using this lockdown time to sit at home and scratch their arse and watch Netflix, but instead what they've been doing is going about uh, identifying things in their life and in their work and in their career that they can improve, that they can adjust, that they can enhance, and um, trying to figure out what way do people want to live their lifestyles, both from a working and a personal point of view. And, and even you touched there on, you know, you'd like to play more golf, that you, you threw yourself into your work, but actually getting some playing time and some family time would be really, really important to you. But then you've also sort of looked at um, that idea of consulting a coach yourself. And, and other people I've spoken to in the podcast have said that about, you know, the coaches who get a coach, coaches that coach each other. And, and that's, I think... Uh, uh, a, a really interesting thing about you know coaching professionals and how professional coaches are these days that you know they trust in each other's knowledge and they trust in each other's skill sets so really interesting to hear you saying those things and and, and again that theme that's been coming up with with the, a lot of the people that i've been talking to brilliant yeah i think it's because we have time now that we never ever would have given ourselves you know like I don't know about you but like I'll take time off if I'm going somewhere or if to go away to work or you know but when you then do that you're just straight back into it I always say you nearly work right up until you need to take a bit of time off and then you're straight back in whenever you get back so it's actually just having time whenever you don't really have anything you know 
you don't really have anywhere to be going or anything really to do that nearly, you know, now don't get me wrong. I don't be sitting thinking golf and work day and daily, but I, I'm doing segments that I'm enjoying and then I'm going off, you know, maybe helping out the back or going for an extra long walk, different things that I never would, you know, have time to do. So it's, yeah, it's definitely changing, changing life, changing the way you think. It is a really unusual period of time that we're, we're experiencing, but it, it's also, I think, a very special period of time. I, I've been continuing to see a lot of my patients by video call and especially those athletes that were doing rehabilitation work. And um, I, I've been trying to say to those athletes, you're never going to get time like this again. You're never going to get a period ever again where you get to dedicate yourself so purely without distractions to the rehab process yeah two rehab specifically yeah that's true yeah yeah I know you train quite a bit and I know that you have a, a ton of coaching knowledge about SNC about movement patterns about uh, coordination and all those kind of things um but I guess you, you uh, well you mentioned there that you've been you've been doing a bit of training at home and all that kind of thing but I suppose it helps to have a coach as another half as well then it does <laughs> yeah well, it's funny um like it's like anything like I obviously would train five sometimes six times a week in focus but it's strange now whenever you're out of you know you're out of the way of life yeah I got a special delivery of a kettlebell a dumbbell a biker erg. so he's definitely looking after me but it's, <laughs> I Declan, I've nearly chopped and changed every single week since we started lockdown you know I enjoy it's like anything you're trying to find your new normal so the first week it was all um using the equipment and it was great and then the next week it was like no I just fancy doing little bodyweight hit sessions and then so I've kind of been then I have a program but I haven't really been sticking to it so I have still been training five days a week but I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm not really putting too much stress in the fact that I'm not sticking to something solely if that makes sense um I've kind of been doing bits here and there and yeah it's it's just a different way of way of life but as long as I sort of see it if you do something the days you normally would have or it always makes you feel better you know and I'm one of these people if I don't get up and get it done before lunchtime I, it's going to be very difficult to actually get it done um, so trying to sort of set a bit of structure to the day, you know, getting up at some point, maybe have a coffee before I get it done or whatever, but it definitely does help your, your state of mind and, um, yeah, it definitely helps whenever you get some sort of training done on a given day. Well, I'd say that when you go back to your work, you'll have a ton of motivation and a, a ton of energy and you'll be raring to go, but do you not normally go to America and coach at this time of year, away? do yes I do so normally well actually there's two big events that I would normally um go to this year or in a given year so May time which we're in now towards the end of May and um, I would always go to Scotland for a week US kids would have their European championships so that one of their probably their second biggest event and um, so that has been cancelled for this year um and also then in the summertime kind of end of July they would always have the world championships so again that one is still actually going to be played Um, I know things in the states are a wee bit different to you know different places in the world in terms of you know lockdowns and what's been happening so but that won't be one that I'll be traveling to this year unfortunately so it's weird normally you kind of have something to look forward to and it's kind of at the minute I don't think anyone wants to be booking flights to go anywhere or to you know it'll be a long time 
um, before we'll be going anywhere. So yeah, disappointing, but at the same time, there's nothing you can do. You know, you just have to. But technology's kept you in touch with the organization, I presume. Correct. Yeah, correct. It's been great. Like if we didn't have, you know, Skype and Zoom and all these things, you wouldn't be able to kind of keep in touch with people. And and yeah, and in terms of um, golf tournaments as well, Declan, I was due to um, host the first uh, US Kids Irish Open this year in July. Oh, no way. So that obviously we're in talks at the minute, but um, highly unlikely that will be going ahead. Um, but there were kids from all over had signed up to it. There was a kid from Russia was due to come. There was kids obviously from the States, Europe. Um, so, yeah, disappointing. But you know what? No one could have predicted what this was going to be like. Or So it's just one of those things. Oh, look, that's crap. That really is such a shame. And I know how much of a passion you have for coaching kids and yeah, I know that you look after all ages um, and all varieties of, of, of golfers, but I know that um, I know that coaching kids has has is a real passion within the within the brand that you've created and within your career. Um, and what's that been like then to, to specifically sort of develop that that youth coaching and kids coaching aspect of Zoe Allen Golf? Yeah, it's been great. I want to say probably I think I mentioned at the beginning um, of the of our podcast here that probably the majority of you know the majority of um, golfers I would teach would be juniors probably 80% juniors to 20 adults um it's one of those ones Declan where I started it and I enjoyed it did I really think I was going to get to the stage where it would be the majority of what I do I suppose at the start you never really know but it's one of those things that I, I really enjoy it doesn't really seem like you know, it doesn't really seem like a job to me. Um, some of the stuff the kids come out with, I know you've young ones, um, but like some of the stuff they come out with is highly entertaining. So I think it's just the connection that I kind of, you know, connection that I kind of had with them. Um, it's funny, I actually had a call with a golf coach uh, last week and the youngest I would coach would be three and four. And it was a young up and coming coach. And he was just like, you know, how do, like, how do you even start? Like, how do you even go about it? <laughs> You know, it's one of those ones where unless you try it, you're not going to know if it's going to be for you or if it's not going to be for you or it's going to take a bit of work or a bit of, you know, organization. Um, but, you know, I've had a lot of help from different coaches and I have been lucky in terms of, you know, reaching out to other coaches. Um, Michelle Holmes being one of them. She's based in um, Virginia in the States and got to spend a bit of time with her. So I think in a way, if you ever get a chance, whenever you are trying to develop your own thing, if you do get to spend time with, you know, like-minded coaches that are into something that you're into, it does kind of help give you an idea as to what, you know, what it might look like. So I suppose, yeah, trying to learn from others as much as you can. Um, I'm a big believer that you're, you know, you never know it all yourself. You, you have to reach out and learn from others. I know, I, I do think as a, as a society and community, we are getting better with that. I know in the golf world during this period of time, you know, so many golf coaches and pros have been doing online free learning, lockdown learning and live sessions. But, you know, just not chit chats, actually learning material stuff, which has been great. And um, so it's nice, yeah. to see, you know, it's nice to see coaches looking to help others and give back. And um, so, yeah. So in terms of how I got into it, I didn't set out to, to for this to be my total and only path. It was kind of enjoyed it and liked it and did a bit more and then spent a bit of time with a few coaches and yeah, it just kind of transpired to where it is. So yeah. 
Yeah, well, I think your uh, your Instagram content, you know, these these photos and videos with smiling, giggling five year olds, it certainly does your reputation no harm at all. But um, I I said at the beginning of the podcast how look everybody who knows you can't stop saying good things about you, Zoe. Like everybody's like, oh, Zoe is the nicest girl you could ever meet, and all this kind of stuff. Um, so I definitely have you down as one of the most positive people that I know, and and it's a real joy to have you on the podcast. And thank you again because this podcast was about trying to create a little bit of a positive vibe for people. Um, to listen to other people's stories and, and, and hopefully get some tips about positive strategies to implement in your own life. Like what do other people do to be happy and to be successful? So what is there anything that I can learn from that? So I was hoping to, to build something sort of positive out of that. You talked about your work quite a bit, but I wanted to know what else do you do, Zoe, for fun, for relaxation, for downtime? Like what do you do away from golf? To- Okay, so I guess let's go pre-lockdown. So pre-lockdown, um, it was mainly training in the gym. That's, I want to say, the only thing I really set time aside for, except from my job and, you know, and work. Whereas now I'm obviously having more time and all the rest, as we all do. But now there's so many things I'm kind of doing that I'm really enjoying that I'm going to try and bring into real life. Um, so still trying to train. It's a big thing for me. Still trying to drink plenty of water every day, which is hard sometimes. Um, so train, drink plenty of water. I've, I'm not the best of readers, as in I get too easily distracted. But you see now whenever you actually have time and you can go and put yourself into a quiet corner and sit down and read a book. I'm enjoying that. Um, going for walks. Declan, I don't know about you, but it just seems like everything's so much cleaner and greener and, you know, so fresh outside at the minute. Like, it's mad I've nearly been going for walks and actually find myself you know like looking at the trees thinking geez that's so green and you know so I've nearly been enjoying the walks that I'm going on whether it be a a short you know 3k walk or a 5 10k whatever it might be um so definitely have I've been enjoying that too um and plenty of cooking we've been all of my uh friends have been laughing I'm still I still live at home with my mum dad and one of my sisters and every night they're like what are you guys having for dinner tonight so it's been an ongoing you know joke that we always have good dinners in this house so we're in our due to move out soon enough and um everyone's saying like why would you ever leave that house because you're cooking like (laughs) so um so yeah i've been enjoying that and because there's four of us we'll normally you know someone will cook a different dinner so you're it's not one person doing it all so and i wouldn't normally have time to Okay, I would normally cook, but I'd normally be kind of eating on the go. I'd have my big dinner during the day. I'd then be eating like, you know, eggs or something in the evening. So it's nice to actually have more or less set dinner times and not be eating on the go as much. And plus, I'm enjoying the cooking side of things as well. So, yeah. so It can be quite therapeutic, the cooking, can't it? Oh, my God. It's great fun. It's great fun. (laughs) Have you been doing lots of cooking, Declan? No, no, absolutely not. Uh, do you know what? Uh, there was a time in my life where I loved doing lots of cooking, and um, at the minute I'm really just not feeling it. So I've tried to learn in recent years that if like if something's not really going your way and you're not feeling it, then don't get too stressed out about it, and you can come back to it later if that, if you want. Uh, but I actually burnt some ribs last night. <laughs> oh no! But, uh, I've had the barbecue out recently a little bit, and I think I might try some YouTube tutorials on like how to use the Texas smoker a wee bit and that kind of thing. You know. Very good. Very good. 
it's funny the weather's been great though too like i didn't even mention that i'm trying to think of what all i've been doing but the weather we've been so fortunate with the weather now i, I nearly feel like it once you you want to get outside doing something as well which is which has been great yeah, you mentioned there about how much you've been enjoying going out for, for walks in the nice weather and how much joy you've been taking from going for a simple walk. And, and do you know what? That's something my mum used to go on about all the time and she was a huge hippie. And, you know, she I used to just roll my eyes and just go, oh, yeah, like hippie stuff, going for a walk, great. <laughs> and it's funny, my guest on the last episode is a guy who's written a couple of um, internationally best-selling books on human biology and human evolution and and he's talked for for chapters about how you know our, our brain and our eyes together have evolved to enjoy seeing green landscapes and blue skies and, and how that can calm us hormonally and neurologically there you go um, so something simple like going for a walk can really be very very powerful and the whole country's out there going for walks right now i know i know what's mad but then it's funny because everyone's trying to like beeline across the road so they're not walking. It's, you're nearly doubling your walk trying to stay as far away from people as you can. But no, I'm really, you know, I suppose it's again back to having the time to actually go for a walk and you're not in a rush back and you don't have to be somewhere at a certain time. But do you know what? We're, we're all at our own fault because you let yourself get, you let life get like that, I think, you know. I hope we don't all forget straight away and go back to the rat race as soon as we got our freedoms back. No. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I hope so too. Sports physiotherapy is my specialism. And something that I'm delighted about is that over the last five or six years in particular, we've seen a massive paradigm shift in women in sport and the coverage and publicity of women's sport, the, the participation of grassroots women's sport. And a question I wanted to ask you today was about your views and, and your perceptions of, of what those changes have been like in the, the, the last number of years. Yeah, it's it's definitely, it's been huge. You know, as you say, sport across the board. Um, even just there six months ago, uh, the PGA put out uh, basically an online a- application um, in line with the Sport Ireland in the 2020, the, the you know, the, the girl getting women and girls into sport, an initiative that they've um, brought on board six female pros um, and being one of them. A level par project so obviously all golf related but again like you said to try and encourage female and girls and they sort of see it as having six golf coaches sort of as the driving factor to be honest Declan six months ago whenever the application came out you know you had to be a, a PGA pro to qualify you obviously had to be female I was kind of looking at it thinking you know I suppose not really knowing what it was really all about I suppose but not having sort of taken a step back and thought, well, actually, female and females in all sports, you know, the trend is growing. So I suppose initially I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into. But you know what? It's fantastic now the fact that there are things like that happening in the background and it is all an initiative to try and, well, I'm talking from a golf background, but to try and encourage female and girl participate, participation, getting into the game. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely loads of things happening at the minute um to try and really boost that you know female participation I, I don't think that you know long were the days where sports would have been very much sort of segregated into oh, this is you know the sports more for men this sports more for 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 ladies it's there's definitely a a change a change in that um you know and in golf it would be great to try and get more young girls in um i suppose like any sports 
unless you have them hooked really before they're short of 11, 12, it's very hard to, you know, get that teenager. I suppose it's hard to get teenagers into anything, but um, so no, this level power program that, um, as I say, six of us are working on, it's good that we're all kind of feeding little different bits in, in terms of what we think is going to be a game changer in the golf world for, for females and girls. As an outsider, it seems to me that golf as a global organization is doing a really tremendous job because yes, they're trying to sort of undo the, the trends of the thousands of years of male domination in sport. Yep. But golf also has its own personal history of being male dominated and even coming from quite recent history where females weren't allowed and, and, and clubs never mind to play. Um, so to see rapid changes on, on both fronts, the societal change and then golf's personal changes, I, I think is a big win on two fronts. I think it's a double win for, for golf as a sport. Yeah, no, 100%. I definitely agree. And, you know, in terms of a club element, you know, the majority of your members are male and they're always going to be male for, you know, well, maybe not always, but for a considerably, you know, long period of time. But it's great to see that the ladies numbers are increasing, you know, and there's different initiatives out there to try and get more ladies in. You know, I would this time of year normally run a ladies get into golf program. And it's great because the ladies love the crack. They love coming along, you know, when it's only ladies. And we always have um on the final night champion and um or sorry prosecco and strawberries so like it's it's the social element of it too so i think in the world of golf we're getting a lot better at you know having something set up that the ladies are going to like it's not just that you go out and you play your golf and that's it there has to be other elements of the social aspect of golf as well that they buy into um so yeah building a community yeah so something I'd love to know is that um, when you're coaching and working with such young kids and young athletes, are there certain strategies that you use or certain ways that you go about things um, to help with injury reduction or injury prevention um, from a coaching perspective? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question because in terms of the way you've asked it, in terms, am I really thinking injury prevention? I suppose as a golf coach, I'm more thinking of um, – okay so you've got a, a 10 year old boy in front of you okay so the, the best setup we want to get him into providing it's not going to hurt him or not going to compromise him so it's funny there's no exact size that will fit all in golf I know that's like any a lot of things in life that we're, we're figuring out but so you know I'm looking at this 10 year old boy for example and I'm trying to get him into the best um the best setup golf posture that I can that he's going to be able to move the best way through the ball that's not going to hurt him or not going to cause an injury down the line. So in a way, do I think of it as injury prevention? Probably I hadn't thought of that until you actually put it in, the, you know, in so many words, but that's kind of one, one element of it where you're looking at a junior and you're trying to kind of get them the best chance to be able to strike the ball the best, but obviously working with, you know, any physical limitations that they may have. They may not even know they have them because they're obviously so young and changing and all the rest. And um, the younger kids then, it's really a, we're always moving on those, you know, or working on those movement patterns, fundamental movement skills. And it's amazing. Like I can see straight away kids that are into loads of different sports and I can see kids right away that that ne aren't necessarily, you know, is that going to make them a good golfer or not such a good golfer? Not really. But in terms of their movement patterns, if they've got good movement patterns, they're obviously going to be able to swing a golf club a bit easier. Um, so yeah, in terms of those ones, you're obviously trying to keep it all safe and safe and fun, but you are trying to get them into as good a golf setup as you can. 
Um, and I guess sticking to the same question, but going the complete opposite end, then whenever you have someone that has been playing golf for a long, long time and they come to you and their golf setup and posture is shocking, I can nearly guess that they have lower back pain the way they're dressing the golf ball. And it could have been a preventative measure. Maybe they're standing like that because they got back pain and actually the way they're, you know, the way they're standing in their posture, they're trying to protect it. So it's it's funny. You kind of, I guess the juniors are, I want to say, are they, are they easier? They don't know any difference. You're showing them as best you can. Where someone that has played golf for a long time, they're one hard to change because they, they think, oh, sure, I've played for, for years. You know, why would you bother changing it now? But um, two, it can be an issue of, you know, they've had an injury and they've, they've changed the way they, they were once taught to set up or they're trying to protect something or, you know, so it's. Yeah, that's really interesting because the, the physio role and the coaching role are obviously very different. But I do think there are overlap areas right out at the edge of each of the professions or roles. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So where I'm going to work and I'm thinking all about injury and solving that problem, I guess you're going into your role and, and you're just really executing best practice. You're just you're just doing the best possible job and, and, and creating the circumstances where risk factors are, are minimal for injury. Yeah. You and I have spoken before about the brilliant trend of recognition of strength and conditioning coaching um in golf and in sports in general uh, and look your your fiance is a is a very well-renowned strength and conditioning coach and seeing golf have um strength and conditioning go mainstream within the sport and guys like rory mcelroy on the cover of men's health and, and rory's one of the most recognizable and famous sports people on the entire planet. Yeah. Um, how big has that been a feature of both performance enhancement within the sport and also injury reduction within the sport? Yeah, do you know what? It has been great. Um, as you say, like Rui obviously specialised in it and he and I'll have many a chat about, okay, I've got this player, you know, we might be 14, 15, what do you think? And there's been quite a few that I've been said, okay, yeah, I've got the perfect guy for you, off you go. You know, that's not my... As you say, we work together, you know, you or I or whoever, S&C coach. So you kind of, the way I sort of look at it, you get them, to, get them to a certain point, but you might see that they're lacking power or they're lacking that, you know, quick hip rotation through. Like McElroy nearly has a, nearly like a squat from the top of the backswing into his release. So it's all of that movement. And, you know, like I said, or like you said, sorry, Declan, S&C, squats, deadlifts, everything now, explosive movements, you know, heavy weight lifting, all the rest, it, it's all leading to, to that improved performance. So I definitely think we kind of, I work together in terms of once they reach a certain age, when they can be doing that little extra bit of, okay, we need to start actually looking at an S&C program. Um, in terms of the younger ones, you know, it's funny, some some parents, they'll want their kids to have everything. They're only 10, but they want, you know, they want to try and get the whole golf package designed. Whereas I sort of encourage them as best I can. Play as many sports as you can for as long as you can. Because really you're getting a lot of motor pat patterns and motor skills from all of that variety. Then once you're obviously peaking that sort of teenage, I don't know, would you agree with that teenage sort of? 12 13 14 ish then try and kind of look at now they may not be heavy weightlifting but they'll be starting to develop more mechanics for golf if you like yeah look i, I know that there's strong debate i mean <clears throat> i i really don't try to be too opinion based on anything i i prefer to stand by 
evidence-based practice and good scientific evidence and be willing to change my mind in the face of good evidence or emerging um, uh, you know, clinical practice guidelines. I think a lot of the evidence, as far as I understand it, points towards late specialization as a really positive thing with, with young athletes. Um, starting off with a, a lot of really good fundamentals of skill acquisition <clears throat> and engagement and you know creating coachability um, and as you said uh, several times you know making it fun and, and, and making it something that the kids want to do and then maybe later thinking about bringing in an snc element yeah i certainly think in those teenage years i am a fan of snc coming on board early I, I do think in in around that sort of 11 12 13 years of age is a really nice time to teach people teach young athletes how to move they don't necessarily have to be shifting the heaviest things in the world but but again learning some of the fundamentals about about skills that they're going to use in the gym later yeah um, but then i've noticed from your own social media that so much of what you do is programming and and creating you know those 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 skills and those fundamentals and but those kids don't even know that they're doing it i mean you've created games that the kids just think they're playing games they just think they're having fun whereas you obviously have designed that in, in such a way that you're you're putting in a lot of those um, fundamental basics that those kids are going to need to use later on um as skilled and talented athletes yeah, yeah no definitely i'd agree yeah, so it's funny then too, you have other players that they sort of, you know, they're looking at the likes of McElroy, as you say, we're talking, you know, later teenage, 15, 16, and then like they can, you know, then know that what they need to be doing, they need to be more explosive, they need more power, they need to try and get into that sort of squat movement, squat pattern. Um, and I know, I think we did touch on this before, Declan, back when we chatted about injury and sport. I actually have the TPI level one certification. So I think I shared that with you. So the Titleist Performance Institute. So it's like a screen and I'm sure it's similar to a screen that, you know, you'll do in the practice. But what it's really doing is golf specific. So you're trying to kind of look at a golfer in terms of what their their movement is. Now, a lot of the stuff I wouldn't know, but one golfer, for example, had limited um, limited. Uh, movement in his uh, rotator cuff so it was funny there was a position that I was like we were working for a couple of weeks trying to get this guy into couldn't do it and then we kind of had gone a full circle I won't do a screen with everyone normally someone will ask for a specific screen if they're looking at golf related exercises or but again this time's got me thinking is it something I should do with everyone you know it, it's it's one of those ones maybe but we've been working on a few weeks on a specific movement at the top of the backswing in relation to where the club was and then whenever we sort of thought gosh there's something funny going on here and then it turned out that actually he didn't have that movement at all regardless whether there was a club and whether he was at the top of the backswing or not he couldn't actually physically do it I want to say I think the same guy possibly uh, paid you a visit because I remember chatting chatting <laughs> um, so it's funny we, we, we won't we won't mention any names no but we get to the point where I get to the point where it it's very difficult whenever you know, you've, you've tried to do as, as good a job as you can and not every top of backswing position is the same, believe me, but it's nearly discomfort or uncomfortable for someone. Then, you know, OK, there's actually maybe a bit more than, you know, limited mobility or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely interesting by way of S&C through anything in life. But, yeah, specifically golf is going to help. And you were asking there as well about my game. Like definitely from starting to, to lift weights, to train sort of 
that sort of S and C mindset, whatever, like distance just rocketed, like you're getting an extra 15, 20 yards off the tee, which is unheard of because you try so hard to increase your club head speed, but you have to do it, you know, with the explosive power. And so it's all. Yeah, that's absolutely massive. And uh, I guess those tissues also have to be able to cope with that sustainably, that they have to be able to do this repeatedly over decades. Correct. Yeah. That shoulder, for example, has to be able to produce force and create movement uh, hundreds of times a week, uh, 45, 50 weeks of year, year on year. Yeah, it's not just going to come. Yeah, it's not just going to come overnight as well. You're right. Yeah, TPI that you introduced me to. What an amazing resource. What a, an incredible amount of content and you know structured educational resources that they have on their website and through their social media outlets and their publications. Um, so anybody that's into golf at all should definitely, definitely check that out. But more importantly, anybody who's you know thinking about up on their game or getting started in the game should definitely be getting in touch with Zoe and, and giving her a call and hoping that, that you take them on board. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm a massive advocate of the value of coaches and coaching and, and always encouraging people to you know to seek out coaching and to seek out that, that guidance and that structure and that that. Um, education that the coaches provide i think i think right now uh, coaches within the sporting industries and the fitness industries are, are really demonstrating their value um, in that you know the industries have been decimated by uh, a lockdown that prevents you from attending and prevents you from doing but the knowledge and the, the skill is still shining through because the the online content and the um, the ability for coaches to, to to show and demonstrate through their social media and through podcasts and other formats just what they can deliver and what uh, and what they have consistently delivered with their clients and um, i think it's brilliant we're living in a renaissance time for for coaching and uh, on one of the other podcasts with with matthew and um, you know he talked about uh, attending a coach for himself and, and you know you spoke earlier in this podcast about you know consulting with another golf coach for your own game so uh, I, see, I think that also demonstrates coaches respecting each other's value and and, and showing that uh, the industry itself does it does hold huge amounts of value and uh, when you see coaches consulting each other for that valuable information yeah no I'd agree I think you're right I think you know the fact that people are looking after themselves probably well I assume a bit better now and they're doing a little bit of home exercise or out for their walks or you know getting back into golf I, I do think it will change the way society you know think and feel about exercise outdoor time the sports that they involve themselves in yeah it's definitely going to change things I reckon yeah, and so I would say that there's a massive role for coaches and physios to play together just around the corner after lockdown because anybody who has been sedentary for this period of time and wants to ramp up what they've been doing or what they're going to do uh, later on, there's a huge amount of um, discussion and focus right now in the world of sports medicine about how that pushes you into the red zone for injury to be to be getting such a period of rest or reduced activity and then to try and spike it up quickly you know? yeah 
So I would definitely recommend that anybody who has a period of time off and is going to try to ramp things up again later on, that you definitely consult a coach, please. And you, 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 you ask them to give you the structure and give you the professional advice about how to return a little bit more safely. We don't want Achilles tendons rupturing. We don't want rotator cuffs rupturing. We don't want you to go in, you know, to, to hit your first drive in five or six months and your shoulder failing on you. So, um, you know, please seek out the advice of a, of a coach in terms of, um, sort of scaling things back up appropriately. But anyway, I want to lighten it up now to start finishing things up here, Zoe, because you've been absolutely brilliant today and you've been um, given some really, really in insightful and informative uh, things for people to listen to and to pay attention to there. But um, I'm going to ask you just a few silly little questions here to finish up on the end of today's podcast, okay? Yeah, yeah go for it. Okay, tell the listeners what your absolute favourite movie is. My favourite movie? Gosh, I've been trying to think what I've been thinking, what I've been watching the last while. Do you know what? I know it's like totally not the time of year for it, but it was on last week and I really enjoyed watching it. Home Alone. <laughs> Home Alone, your favourite of all time. I don't know. That's the one springing to mind because it's probably one of the most recent movies I've watched. <laughs> one. Or, or else, there's a really good golf one that I love um, called The Short Game. Declan, you'd even enjoy watching it. It's, you can actually get it on um, on Netflix. It's a it's kind of a documentary based movie, if you like, about kids' preparation for playing in the World Championships. Oh. The U.S. Kids World Championships. Now it was filmed about eight years ago. But what makes it so good and interesting is Alan Kornikova, uh, Kornikova's younger brother, uh -huh. is one of the golfers. So it's so funny listening to him. Now he's only, I think, seven in the movie. As I say, it was eight years old. So it's a great one. And I've been encouraging all my juniors to watch it because it's a little bit of lighthearted, you know, golf, a golf movie, if you like. It's a good one. Okay, I'm writing that down now and I'm going to see, can I find that over the next couple of days? It's a good one. A good golf one. Right, well, you were bragging earlier about how your house is the best house for coming for a feed because everybody's the best cook. So uh, so who would be your ultimate dinner guest? Be, uh, well, do you know what? I'm going to stick in the golf theme. Okay. <laughs> a golf I really admire and I would love to pick his brain someday would be McElroy. Rory McElroy, because I'd love to really hear about, and I know we do see, you know, him chatting about his, his childhood and his upbringing and all this, but like, I'd love to get those questions in him, you know, what, like, what were you really doing when you were nine and 10? And, you know, how many balls were you hitting a day? And because I think in a way it would be nice as a coach to see that, but it would be yeah. so cool to then tell all the juniors that you're teaching that, hey, McElroy came around for dinner. <laughs> so, yeah, I think. I sure he'd probably be listening to this now, Zoe. <laughs> yeah, he might be. Right, Roy. Uh, invite yourself around to Zoe's house there for dinner, sir. Around the Allen household. <laughs> and the final of the silly questions here to finish off is, what is going to be your next adventure? My next adventure? Um, do you know what's mad? I, I don't know about you, but on social media, Declan, like everywhere keeps popping up all these beautiful, I seen a, a gorgeous um, picture of Venice the other day and the water so clear. Um, so where will be my next adventure? Um, do you know what? Anywhere, anywhere in Europe. <laughs> Just get me the flip out of here. Anywhere will do. <laughs> we're away at Christmas time. And it's mad to think that we were away in America and only got back. We literally only got back the last week in January. 
So in a way, I am thankful that I have been away not that long ago. But at the same time, it's like we don't know when the next trip's gonna be. So can't uh, be like a world away right now. Oh my goodness, like unbelievable. But do you know what I think we will be doing? And I think a lot of people in Ireland will be traveling in Ireland, which will be great. Well, that's probably the only choice that there's going to be for a while, to be honest. Yeah, but if the weather's good, sure, it's it's all good. I know that we are overdue a little trip down to Ackle Island, County Mayo, which is Mum's home. But I mean, that's been popping up on my social media feeds flat out because the uh, the hashtag uh, Wild Atlantic Way keeps uh, bringing up the most uh, amazing images and, uh, and amazing photographs. Stunning views, I guess. Okay, yeah, just standing down to the seaside and uh, and you know you know you know, be in the sea and and try a bit of surfing and, and whatever else. But uh, it's not really the right time right now. We all just have to be patient and, and wait a little bit longer, don't we? But at least you do have somewhere whenever the time is right for us to travel in Ireland that you will be able to go to. So, yeah. So, no, I'm not I'm not going to be fussy with where my next adventure is going to be. Um, But you know what? I'm content. I think it's when you know you can't go anywhere. You're just there's no point in stressing yourself out. You're just, you just have to deal with here and now and, you know, what's happening. So. That's right. And although the second and third week I, I did find quite tough, uh, I, I've learned to, to, to settle into it a little bit, just calm myself a little bit. It's funny, though, as you say, like I feel like nearly every week I've either had different focus or different goals or but it's been like, you know, you were a different person, as you say, like week one to week two to week three. Um, so yeah, slowly but surely getting used to it. But um, but in a way that you're excited, I'm excited to be getting back into some way of normality and work but maybe at a slightly slower pace um yeah it's been good you've been amazing zoe there's some brilliant tips and tricks in there for anybody who's been listening and thank you you're welcome thanks for having me on declan so check out zoe's social media pages and her websites zoe allen golf and do you want to point people in the right direction there please zoe uh, yeah, so it's on Facebook, Zoe Allen Golf, Twitter, the same, Instagram, the same. And I also have my own website, um, zoeallengolf.com. So yeah, if you have any questions, I'd be happy to happy to help, happy to answer. Truly awesome podcast today, Zoe. Thank you so much. So please go enjoy the rest of your day. Get yourself some sunshine. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right, Declan, all the best. Thanks. So hope you enjoyed that and took something from that. Uh, please remember to subscribe to the podcast, um, like and share on your social media. Please share it with somebody who might enjoy it. For the next episode, we're going to be talking to businessman and CrossFit enthusiast Lewis Pearson of OLY Clothing, Ollie Clothing, um, a brand that's become synonymous with CrossFit, not just in the UK and Ireland, but now a company with global reach. So tune in to episode five and we'll talk soon. Bye.